اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم How are you all doing? Alhamdulillah. How was your break? How was my class? Alhamdulillah. I missed you all a lot. Alhamdulillah, it was all about the Qur'an, different passages from the Qur'an, but I'm so used to teaching you all that I had to keep reminding myself that this is not my TQE. <laughs> It's a different group of students. But Alhamdulillah, it was a very, very good experience. Alhamdulillah. One thing that I really, really felt, I've never taught for an entire day before. Never. And standing on my feet especially is something that I've never done all day. And by the end of the first day, I couldn't even stand. I really couldn't. We had to walk somewhere for dinner and on the way back, it was about five minute walk. I told my husband, I cannot walk. There is no way. So he had to get a cab. For a five-minute walk, I didn't have the strength. But, you know, I honestly had so much more appreciation for our shuyukh, who do this not just one day, two days, but two and a half days in a row, and then one weekend after the other, after the other, with all the travel and the regular work in the middle. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really reward them abundantly for their physical striving also in His way. You know, we learn about striving in the way of Allah, bi anfusihim wa amwalihim, with your money as well as your self. And this is a part of striving physically in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really reward them generously for their striving. Anyway, let's do our lesson. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem, bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Surah al-Zukhruf. We will begin from verse number 26. وَإِذْ قَالَ And when he said, إِبْرَاهِيمُ إِبْرَاهِيمُ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ When Ibrahim alayhi salam said, لِأَبِيهِ to his father, وَقَوْمِهِ and also to his people. What did he say to them? إِنَّنِي Indeed I am بَرَاءٌ Disassociated مِمَّا تَعْبُدُونَ From that which you worship. I am bara from that which you worship. The word bara from the root letters bara hamza. Bara'ah. What does bara'ah mean? Dissociation. Basically it is when you declare that you have nothing to do with someone. As in you're not part of their actions. You don't agree with it. You're not going to participate in it. You disagree with it. And you declare yourself completely innocent from it. It is also used for innocence from a crime. Meaning when a person has not committed a crime and their innocence is declared. The word is also used for when a person becomes cured from an illness. Because now he is free of that illness, he is free of that disease, that disease is no longer in his body. He is not suffering from it anymore. So Ibrahim السلام, said to his people that indeed I am innocent, I am free, I am exempt, I am dissociated from that which you worship. Meaning I'm not a part of it. I'm not a silent supporter of it. As we know from other verses in the Qur'an that the people of Ibrahim السلام, were idol worshippers. They worshipped many, many gods, many idols. And the father of Ibrahim السلام, was also an idol worshipper. And we have seen different stories in which we learned how Ibrahim did da'wah to them. He called them to the worship of Allah. 
And he didn't just attempt once, but he attempted many times. For example, at one point, he played along with them saying that, oh, the sun, it's so bright, this is my God. And then in the night, it's set, so it cannot be God. Then the star, and then the bigger star, and so on and so forth. Then we see at another occasion, when the people went out for their festival, Ibrahim broke their idols. Correct? So, so many times, Ibrahim showed to them, he didn't just prove it to them, but he demonstrated to them that these idols cannot be God. The one who deserves your worship is who? Allah alone. And so, finally, he said to them that, I am bara'um mimma ta'budun. Whatever that you worship, I dissociate myself from it. I am not involved in this idol worship. I do not silently approve of it. I do not agree with it. I declare that I am innocent of it. إِلَّا الَّذِي فَطَرَنِي Except for the one who created me. Meaning the one who created me, and that is Allah. Him, of course, I worship. فَإِنَّهُ سَيَهْدِينِ Indeed, He will guide me. We see that Ibrahim salam where he proved to his people that how shirk is not correct, he also gave them proofs of tawheed. And over here, again, he is giving them a proof of tawheed. That I worship the one who created me. As if he's saying, why shouldn't I worship him? Who else but him deserves worship? إِلَّا الَّذِي فَطَرَنِي This is similar to how in Surah Yasin, Ayah 22, we learn, وَمَا لِيَ لَا أَعْبُدُ الَّذِي فَطَرَنِي Why should I not worship the one who created me. So in this is da'wah also. فَإِنَّهُ سَيَهْدِينِ Indeed, he will guide me. When is it that Ibrahim said this? Indeed, my Lord will guide me. When he was leaving his people. Because remember that his people tried to burn him in the fire. Ibrahim salam's father then told him that if you don't stop, I'm going to stone you to death. I'm going to kill you myself. So basically, Ibrahim was no longer welcome in his own people. He had to leave. And when he was leaving, he said, فَإِنَّهُ سَيَهْدِينِ My Lord will guide me. In Surah Safat, Ayah 99 also, we learn, وَقَالَ إِنِّي ذَاهِبٌ إِلَىٰ رَبِّي سَيَهْدِينِ I am going to my Lord, meaning I'm going in the way of my Lord, He will guide me as to where I should go. Because Ibrahim was basically leaving his home. And when he was leaving his home, where was he going to go? He didn't know. So he relied upon Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided him to another place. And we learn about the travels of Ibrahim salam, how he went to Egypt. And then over there also he couldn't stay. And then finally he settled in Asham. And even from there he was ordered to take his son Ismail and settle him in Mecca. So Sayahdini, he will guide me. Now in these verses, if you connect it with the previous verses, what do we learn in the previous verses? That the mushrikeen of Makkah, they held on to their idolatry. And what was their proof? On what basis did they hold on to their idolatry? That this is what we found our forefathers upon. And then the example of the previous people is also given. That every time a messenger came to a nation, that nation held on to their beliefs, rejecting the call of the messenger. On what basis? We are doing what our forefathers were doing. So here, the example of Ibrahim salam is given. That Ibrahim salam did not blindly follow his people. 
He did not blindly follow his family. No matter how established idolatry was in his people, what is it that he followed? What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted him to do. And this was difficult. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitated the path for him. Yarhamukillah. Then we see over here the mushrikeen of Makkah, they used to claim that they were the followers of Ibrahim. They would say that we are his children, we are his descendants, we are upon his religion. So it is as if they're being told that you claim to be on the religion of Ibrahim. Well, look at Ibrahim. What did he do? Did he practice idolatry blindly just because his forefathers were upon it? Or did he follow Tawheed? What is it that he did? If you claim to be followers of Ibrahim salam, then follow him properly. Follow the Tawheed that he was upon. وَجَعَلَهَا Ibrahim salam جَعَلَهَا He made it. Made what? The kalima shahada. The statement that declares the oneness of Allah. He made it as a kalimatan baqiyatan. As a statement that was baqiyah. What is baqiyah? One that? remains, one that carries on. It doesn't stop, it doesn't end, it doesn't finish, it doesn't die out. Rather it continues, it remains, it carries on. فِي In his descendants. The word aqib is used for descendants. The word aqib, عَيْن قَافْ ba, is actually used for heel, the end of the foot. And the heel, the end of the foot, is basically at the back of the foot. And from this, the word aqib is used for that which follows. Subsequent. That which follows. So aqib is also used for who? Descendants. Following generations. Children and their children and their children. So وَجَعَلَهَا كَلِمَةً بَاقِيَةً فِي عَقِبِهِ Ibrahim السلام, left the statement of La ilaha illallah as a legacy to be continued even after he was gone. Amongst who? Amongst his progeny, his descendants. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ So that they might return. They might return as in they might return to Tawheed, to the worship of Allah. That every time they would go astray, they would return to the right religion because of La ilaha illallah. So we see over here that Ibrahim salam in his life, he lived La ilaha illallah. That is what he propagated. And that is what he instructed his children to live by before his death also. In Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 132, we see Ibrahim salam he instructed his children, وَوَصَّى بِهَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ بَنِيهِ وَيَعْقُوبُ يَا بَنِيَّ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَى لَكُمُ الدِّينَ فَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ That Ibrahim before his death, he instructed his children that Allah has chosen the religion for you, so do not die unless and until you are in a state of submission to Him. Meaning, live la ilaha illallah until you die, until your last breath. And we see that Ibrahim really he worked hard to ensure that his children, his descendants, would live by this kalima. How? That first of all, we see that he didn't just accept idolatry. He did da'wah to his people. And then when he was no longer welcome over there, he left and he went elsewhere. And he left his son Ismail in an empty barren valley 
Why? So that he would be free from the influence of shirk. And then he also made dua. He made so many duas for his descendants, for his future generations. For example, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 129, we learn about the dua that Ibrahim made when he built the Kaaba. And what was that dua? That Rabbana وَبْعَثْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْهُمْ That, O oh, our Lord, send a messenger among them to teach them of Tawheed, who would recite unto them your verses. Then in Surah Ibrahim, Ayah 40, another dua is mentioned. That, رَبِّ جَعَلْنِي مُقِيمَ الصَّلَاةِ وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي That, O oh, my Lord, make me someone who establishes the prayer, and my children also, make them such that they establish the prayer. In Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 128, he also made dua, That make us those who submit to you, and our children also, such who submit to you, who worship only you. So we see that Ibrahim salam he didn't just have this wish, that my children, my descendants, my progeny, should be upon Tawheed. He strove for it. He made dua for it. He sacrificed for it. And this should make us think also, what is it that I want for my children? Some of us may think, well, I'm not even married. Why should I even think about children? Hmm? But eventually, inshallah, my future generations, what is it that I want for them? What is it that I want for them? That Should they be upon tawheed? Should they be upon the deen or not? And if I want deen for them, what am I doing right now to ensure that they have the message of deen with them? On this trip of mine, I met a sister. She is studying the Al-Huda course. And her teacher showed me the notes that she had prepared. And it was a second juz. And it was basically very similar to what you have in your hands. However, it was all of her personal notes. All typed, very neatly organized, very clear and precise to the point, very detailed also, and very nicely bound together. Honestly, you could just take those notes and use them for even teaching if you wanted to. They're so clear. They're so good. And the reason why she made them, she said, I want my children to have them. And I don't know how old her children are and how many she has, but look at her vision. You know, She wants that when her children grow up, they have something from which they can learn the meaning of the Qur'an. Many times we complain that you know there isn't enough that's happening. There should be more programs. There should be more Qur'an classes and so on and so forth. Enough is not happening. But we need to think, what am I doing? Why is it that we're always expecting from other people that they should do something for the ummah? What about me? What am I going to do? Did Ibrahim keep waiting for others? Or did he create a change himself? He created a change himself. He wished for it. He made dua for it. He sacrificed for it. He worked so hard for it. And look at the results. Look at the results. Ibrahim one man, rejected by his family, alone, on his own. But look at the results. So, وَجَعَلَهَا كَلِمَةً بَاقِيَةً فِي عَقِبِهِ How is it that you leave a legacy? By living it. By striving for it. By praying for it. 
by not giving up no matter what hardships come your way la'allahum yurji'un and look at the result that for generations people were upon tawhid allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered his prayers and the people of makkah were from the descendants of ibrahim alayhi salam but as time went by what happened they abandoned his way gradually shirk came in and it basically overtook their religion And we see that even though the mushrikeen, they worshipped many idols, they still worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, بَلْ مَتَّعْتُ Then how is it that shirk came in? In the children of Ibrahim alayhi salam, the people of Makkah. How come? Allah says, بَلْ مَتَّعْتُ بَلْ however, مَتَّعْتُ I have given enjoyment. To who? هَأُولَاءِ These people, meaning the people of Makkah. وَآبَاءَهُمْ And also their forefathers. Meaning I've allowed them to live in worldly gifts, in worldly blessings, in ease. حَتَّى جَاءَهُمُ الْحَقُّ Until the truth has come to them. وَرَسُولٌ مُبِينٌ And a clear messenger. Who is this messenger? Muhammad wasallam. And what is the truth? It is the Qur'an. It is the message of Tawheed. Meaning until they were in need. of a messenger to come and remind them of Tawheed. Because you see, Ibrahim left the message of Tawheed in his children, didn't he? لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ But there came a point where, because of their worldly comforts and worldly success, these people, they became so lost in the dunya that they forgot Allah. They forgot Him to such an extent that they began worshipping idols. And so they were desperately in need of a reminder, of a prophet, of a messenger. So when Allah has sent the Qur'an, when Allah has sent the messenger, this is His gift. This is His special favor. But what has their response been? وَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمُ الْحَقُّ And when the truth came to them, قَالُوا They said, هَذَا سِحْرٌ This is magic. The Qur'an came to them, And the mushrikeen said, this Qur'an is magic. Why did they call it magic? Because of its eloquence, because of its effect, its beauty, its perfection. They said, this is magic. وَإِنَّا بِهِ كَافِرُونَ And they said, indeed we are, بِهِ, with it, meaning of it, towards it, we are kafirun. We are denying it. We're not going to believe in it. And then they began objecting. وَقَالُوا And they said, لَوْلَا Why not? One of their objections is mentioned over here. The mushrikeen said, how come this is not the case, that نُزِّلَ It was sent down. What was sent down? هَذَا Quran, This Quran. Meaning, why has the Quran not been sent down عَلَى رَجُلٍ Upon a man. Which man? Min al-Qaryataini. From the two cities. Qaryatain, dual of the word Qarya. Which two cities are they referring to? The city of Makkah and the city of At-Ta'if. Because these were the two major cities. Makkah was major, it was important. Why? Because of the Kaaba. Alright? And Ta'if was important. Why? Why do you think so? Has anyone seen pictures of Ta'if, been to Ta'if, heard anything about Ta'if? It's very interesting. You know, when you think of Arabia, when you think of Hijaz, what comes to your mind? Sand. Isn't it? Barren mountains. But when you go to Ta'if, it's actually mountainous. 
And those mountains are lush, they're green. It's beautiful. The soil is fertile. And there are such unique plants and flowers that grow in Ta'if that the atr, the perfume oil that is extracted from those flowers costs a lot of money. It's one of the finest. Right? The first time I went to Ta'if, I've been there only once, I was amazed. I was like, are we really next to Makkah? It was so strange. It was such a strange experience. Because as you're driving upwards through all those hills, there's so many monkeys on the way, first of all. And there's so many warning signs, don't feed the monkeys, right? But people still feed the monkeys. But anyway, so many monkeys on the way. And then when you get there, it's all hilly, so fertile. There's actually grass and there's lush trees, not just date palms, but other trees also. It's cold. It's actually pretty cool. So Ta'if was also a very major, very important city because of its wealth. Because of its wealth. And not just wealth, but also its people. I mean, they were the most elite people also. There was the Quraysh of Makkah, and then there were the big tribes of Ta'if also, Saqif. So they said, the mushrikeen, they objected, that if Allah had to send a messenger... How come he didn't choose a messenger, a man from these two cities? But a man who is alimin, who is great. Alim is describing rajul. So basically they were saying, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what's so great about him? Why did Allah choose him? Why not some other great man from Makkah or from Ta'if? Meaning if not Makkah, then at least from Ta'if. As if Muhammad wasallam was not even an option for them. He didn't even meet that standard. Who were they referring to? Who were these two big men that they were referring to? From Makkah, they were referring to Walid bin Mughira. Walid bin Mughira was one of the chiefs of Quraysh. He was the chief of the Banu Makhzum of Quraysh. Walid bin Mughira, he was the father of Khalid bin Walid. So you can imagine what kind of a man Walid was if his son was Khalid bin Walid. Radiallahu anhu. Walid bin Mughira had many children. And he was also very, very rich. It is said that in Hajj season, every day he would slaughter at least 10 camels. Not just the days of Hajj, but the season of Hajj. So it's over a month basically, when the pilgrims are coming in. So he would slaughter 10 camels a day in Hajj season in order to serve the pilgrims. Remember that the Prophet ﷺ, before he received prophethood, the Kaaba had to be reconstructed. Remember that story from the seerah? And remember the mushrikeen, the people of Makkah basically, they weren't that well off. They didn't really have much resources in the sense that they couldn't really import materials from outside in order to build the Kaaba. I mean, they were rich, they were people who were very well off, but compared to other nations compared to neighboring nations, they weren't that well off. In their own standards, yes, they were rich. But when compared to other civilizations of that time, they weren't that well off at all. So it is said that Walid bin Mughira, a quarter of all the expenses that were made for the reconstruction of the Kaaba, a quarter of all those expenses were taken care of by Walid bin Mughira. Just imagine, one man. And the rest of it was shared by the rest of the Arabs. Then it is also said that Walid bin Mughira, I mean, he was 
handsome in his body, he was intelligent in his mind, very eloquent, a poet, knowledgeable man. He had everything. From the riches, to the looks, to the status, everything he had. So the mushrikeen said, if Allah really wanted to send a messenger, why didn't he choose Walid bin Mughira? Then, the person from the other city, which is Ta'if, who were they talking about? It is said that they were referring to Urwa ibn Mas'ud al-Thaqafi. He was from Ta'if. And Urwa, radiallahu anhu, because he accepted Islam later, he was the chief of the Thaqif tribe in Ta'if. Uh, you remember at the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, when the negotiations were going back and forth, the first person to come and speak to the Prophet ﷺ was who? Urwa. And when he came, remember the Sahaba, they really showed their love and respect for the Prophet ﷺ? To the point that when the Prophet ﷺ was doing wudu, they would just collect the water and rub it on their bodies. They were going this extra extra step to show to Urwa that we love and respect our Prophet ﷺ. So uh, Urwa, he was also very well off. In fact, when he spoke to his people, he said that, O oh people, aren't you the sons? They said, yes. And he said, am I not the father? And they said, yes. Meaning, your status is like children and my status is like father. This was his status in his people. Urwa radiallahu anhu. So the mushrikeen said, that لَوْلَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٍ Why not a great man, any other great man, from these two cities? If not Makkah, then at least Ta'if. If not Walid bin Mughira, then Urwa. Why Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Allah says, أَهُمْ Do they, يَقْسِمُونَ They distribute رَحْمَةَ Rabbik, The mercy of your Lord. Are they in charge over the mercy of your Lord? That before anyone is shown any mercy, their approval is needed? What do they think of themselves? If Allah has chosen Muhammad wasallam and not Walid bin Mughira, and not Urwa, then there is a reason. Why do you think that Allah needs your approval? أَهُمْ يَقْسِمُونَ رَحْمَةَ رَبِّكَ نَحْنُ We قَسَمْنَا We have distributed. We have divided. بَيْنَهُمْ Between them مَعِيشَتَهُمْ Their livelihood فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا In the worldly life. Meaning, if these people have any wealth, any abundance, it is because of whose favor upon them? Allah's favor upon them. This is not on the basis of their virtue. It's not because of the fact that they are very great in the sight of Allah, because of which they were given so much wealth. No. This is entirely Allah's favor. And the fact is that وَرَفَعْنَا And we have raised بَعْضَهُمْ Some of them, meaning some people, فَوْقَ بَعْضٍ Over others, دَرَجَاتٍ In ranks. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not created people such that they are all identical in terms of their physical appearance, their strength, their money. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created people such that He has raised some over others. How? In what ways? How has Allah raised some people over others? In what ways? In every single way if you think about it. 
And you know what? You compare any two people. You will come to the conclusion that one has more of one thing that the other doesn't have. One has been given a gift that the other has not been given. Seriously. I mean, even if you compare a very rich person with a very poor person, you will see, for instance, that the poor person has a sense of humor that the rich guy doesn't have at all. Or the poor person is very intelligent in some ways, which the rich guy is not. Isn't that so? We will see this variation in people. People are not identical. They're not identical. So this belief that everybody should be the same, hmm? this is not natural. It's unnatural. In philosophy, we were discussing the value of the gifted program, basically. And um, the teacher was asking our opinions on it. So I said to me, the concept of being gifted doesn't exist because some people are gifted in some things and other people are gifted in other things. The only reason why we consider gifted people gifted is because they're gifted in academic subjects. And she said that was really interesting because it's true. We're all gifted in different things, you know? Yes, very true. And if you see in history, you will find that how many times people attempted that everybody should be the same. Financially and in different ways, even the shoes that they wear should be the same and the clothes that they wear should be the same. It didn't work. It led to so much oppression, so much injustice. It is unnatural. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this variation in people, it's not because some people are better than others. That someone has more money because he's better than other people. No. Or that someone has better looks because he's better than other people. No. He's given different looks. He's given more money simply as Allah's favor on him. So, وَرَفَعْنَا بَعْضَهُمْ فَوْقَ بَعْضٍ دَرَجَاتٍ And there's wisdom in this. What is that wisdom? لِيَتَّخِذَ So that he may take بَعْضُهُمْ Some of them بَعْضًا Others سُخْرِيًّا In service Or in mockery Two meanings of the word سُخْرِيَّ And both meanings are valid Because the word سُخْرِيَّ Is from the root letters سِنْخَرَى The word سَخَّرَى يُسَخِّرُ تَسْخِيرُ Right? سَخَّرَى لَكُمْ What does it mean? Subjected. He put to service. Alright? And from the same root is also the word for mockery. Sahirallahu yaskhurun. So it means to mock, to make fun of someone. And what's the connection between these two words? Because usually what happens? If someone is subjected to some work, meaning they are working, they are doing some labor work, they're looked down upon. It's as if they're not doing something that's worthy. So, here Allah says that وَرَفَعْنَا بَعْضَهُمْ فَوْقَ بَعْضٍ دَرَجَاتٍ Why? لِيَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضًا سُخْرِيَّا So that they may make use of one another for service. Because if everybody was equal in terms of physical strength and even money, economically, they were all the same, then who would willingly help another? Who would? Nobody would. But what happens? A person is weak financially, they are in need of money, so they will agree to do some work for another. You understand? You understand what's happening? I mean, think about it. If you had $10 million, 
that you make every year, for example. You just get them from leaves, from trees. Would you bother to go to school? Would you bother to work, to have a career? Why would you? You wouldn't. When people do work, they are working somewhere in a factory, in a business, you know, in some corporate position. They are working for someone. Isn't it? Above every person is someone else. Correct? So they're working for someone. As they're working for someone, they're helping somebody's company grow. Or they're helping the government. Or they're helping somebody else. Isn't it? Each person when he works, he's helping someone else. While he's helping himself, he's also helping someone else. So why has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the world in this way? So that there is a healthy dependency. Because when we need each other, we come to each other. As we come to each other, then, you know, I benefit you, you benefit me. You see? Otherwise, what would happen? I don't need you, you don't need me. I don't know you, you don't know me. And this is something that really hurts people. Because as human beings, we are emotional. We need each other. We are social beings, aren't we? We need each other. So, وَرَفَعْنَا بَعْضَهُمْ فَوْقَ بَعْضٍ دَرَجَاتٍ Why? لِيَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُهُمْ بَعْضًا سُخْرِيَّةٍ Alright? Now, we can also understand this in a different way. لِيَتَّخِذَ As a result, consequently what happens is, because remember that lamb is of two types. Alright? There's lamb of illah, of reason, because, so that. And secondly, there is lamb of consequence, of aqibah. That consequently, as a result, what happens is that some people, they make fun of others. Why? Because they have more and others have less. And this is what was happening in Makkah at that time. That these people were making fun of the Prophet ﷺ, looking down at him. Why? Because he wasn't really wealthy. He didn't really have sons. He didn't really have that position that some others had. وَرَحْمَةُ رَبِّكَ And the mercy of your Lord. It is خَيْرٌ It is much better. مِمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ From all that people gather. The Prophet ﷺ was given the Qur'an. And Allah says that that is much better than the other things that people accumulate. What is it that people accumulate? Wealth, riches, children, whatever it may be. Qur'an is far better. So the objection of the people of Makkah over here is basically shot down that it doesn't have any basis. You say that Muhammad wasallam is not worthy of prophethood. Why? Because he's not wealthy enough? Because he doesn't have that status in your society? Well, wealth and status do not mean anything. They don't mean that a person is good or that a person is worthy or that a person is deserving. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides... And if he's given wealth to some people more than others, there is wisdom behind that. There is reason behind that. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ لِأَبِيهِ وَقَوْمِهِ إِنَّنِي بَرَاءٌ مِّمَّا تَعْبُدُونَ إِلَّا الَّذِي فَطَرَنِي فَإِنَّهُ سَيَهْدِينَ 
وجعلها كلمة باقية في عقبه لعلهم يرجعون بل متعت هؤلاء وآباءهم حتى جاءهم الحق ورسول وَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمُ الْحَقُّ قَالُوا هَذَا سِحْرٌ وَإِنَّا بِهِ كَافِرُونَ وَقَالُوا لَوْلَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ عَلَى رَجُلٍ مِنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٌ أَهُمْ يَقْسِمُونَ رَحْمَةَ رَبِّكَ نحن قسمنا بينهم معيشتهم في الحياة الدنيا ورفعنا بعضهم فوق بعض درجات ليتخذ بعضهم بعضا سخريا ورحمة ربك خير مما يجمعون 